0: welcome to watchman on the wall a daily outreach of southwest radio ministries and swrc.com god is still on the throne and prayer changes things this week we'll learn about america's coming judgment from tom hughes larry stam will lay out his case for the coming catalyst of persecution of the christian church and today author mac Dominic will begin a brand new series examining the perils of the modern church growth movement the church of the new paradigm is exploding throughout evangelical and fundamental christianity at a rate that rivals a raging forest when one looks beyond the glitz and glamour of the church growth movement many issues regarding a conformity with scripture rise to the surface here's today's guest mac Dominic with all the details. You know, friends, in 1
1: Timothy 3.15, it says that the local church is the pillar and ground of the truth. We must never forget that. I've got with me on the telephone Mac Dominic. He's the author of Outcome-Based Religion. And the book is really important because it investigates the dark side of the church growth movement that leaves one questioning the methods and teachings of the seeker-sensitive church growth movement by analyzing, first, the history of the church in North America and bringing one to an understanding of the issues that come with a departure from the clear teaching of the blessed word of God. This is, this is something that you will need because there is false teaching All around, there's a compromising of the Word of God. And of course, we are not called to be creative, we are called to be faithful to the Word of God. Mac, thank you so much for uh, your book, Outcome Based Religion.
2: You're welcome, Larry. It's always a pleasure to talk with you.
1: Well, I know we've done a lot of programs in the past, and uh, you are continuing to uh, turn out really good material. We certainly need stuff like this, and I know you're a blessing to uh, Cutting Edge. Well, thank you. Well, let's talk about uh, your book. Why did you write this book?
2: Well, it is kind of a long story. I'm going to make it as brief as possible so we can get as much in as we can, Larry. But I was a member of a, an independent Baptist church. I'll just say what I am. I was a member of an independent Baptist church, Back in the late 1990s, as a matter of fact, I was a charter member of that church, and into the early 2000s, and the pastor decided to take on a mode of operation that lined up with the uh, book, The Purpose Driven Church by Rick Warren, the methodology of Bill Hybels out of Willow Creek, and some of the other folks that were promoting rapid church growth. And what happened in our church was that the church grew. I mean, it it really grew. But we ended up with a, a group of people that very few knew what they believed, why they believed it. And when you do not know the truth and you're not founded on solid doctrinal ground, you'll fall for anything. And so a lot of false and questionable teachings were coming into the church. Ultimately, I had to find my membership somewhere else. I uh, had great respect for the pastor and his vision, great respect for his enthusiasm, but the bottom line was they wanted to grow a big church, and they were willing to do pretty much anything to have a big church. And today, that church is one of the largest in the city that I live in. He was very successful in it but still in in my estimation the the foundation is not solid and what people actually get there is somewhat questionable so that's why and I so I felt led of the lord to write this book it was this book has been out quite a few years i think the copyright on it was 2007 maybe and i wrote it over a 5 year period So, you know, doing things part-time, it took me a while, and there was a lot of research that had to go into it. But I did update it last year when Southwest Radio contacted me, was talking about digitizing it. I went back through and did a few updates just to make it a little bit more up-to-date. So it's been written a while. Things were going on in the 1990s and early 2000s in this church growth movement that became very alarming.
1: When I look at passages like Matthew 24 and other scriptures, one of the dangers that Jesus warns us about is deception and false teaching. And, you know, I don't want to be doctrinaire, and I know you don't want to be doctrinaire, but certainly Christian doctrine, biblical doctrine, is always important. But I believe we're at the end of the age and Satan hates for anybody to be saved and the way he's gonna mess up the situation is by false doctrine. So I think one of the highest priorities, the priority, the great priority for the local church, like I said, First Timothy three fifteen, it's to be the pillar and ground of the truth. And hey, if you can't find the truth in the local church, why does the local church exist?
2: Well that's exactly right. And you know, you read the writings of the church growth people from Dr. Warren, Bill Hybels, and others, you read that they believe that you do not put any emphasis in your church on doctrine because doctrine, according to them, divides. And so, you know, my take on that is, of course, doctrine divides because Mm -hmm. truth divides. And when when you don't teach doctrine, you don't firmly ground your constituency or your membership in the Word of God, and then you end up with people that are more interested in social justice and all of the other nonsense that we have going on in the world today because they don't understand what the Bible truly teaches about that because you have people out there that are saying that social justice is something that all Christians should want to take part in because the Bible teaches it. Well, the way it's taught in in the public realm today, it is certainly anything but biblical, and it's uh, antithetical to the teaching of the Bible. And so what you end up with is a lot of people that just not only do they not understand the teaching of the Word of God, but their worldview gets skewed to a more postmodern position. You know, you go into a lot of these churches and you ask the question that Barna, the Barna survey asked when they wanted to survey Christians and find out who had a biblical worldview. The big question that was the problem in that survey was the question, does absolute truth exist? Right. And you go into these mega churches, you're going to probably find a majority of people in those churches that will tell you that absolute truth does not exist because they aren't taught that from the pulpit. Right,
1: right. And I, I think the subtlety and the danger so many times. For example, with Mormons, and, and I'm not going to pick on any any group, but uh, there's so many of them who are so nice. You know, well, yeah. oh yeah. You know, he's such a nice neighbor. He helps the poor. He's mowed my grass when I'm away, he's fed the cat and the dog and wow, what a great guy, you know. I don't want to downplay that. It's nice to be a great neighbor, but but that can never be a substitute for Christ and his glory. And when you look at the cults, they all have some bizarre and weird ideas about your lord and your savior and my lord and my savior. So yeah, you know, I'm not against being a good neighbor. Don't get me wrong. Well, let's not well, you know, uh, let the, the tail wag the dog.
2: Well, you know, you mentioned Mormonism, and, I, and let me just make this statement about it. I have a very, what I would call, good friend slash business associate who is a very devout Mormon, went on the, you know, the mission trip and all that when he was younger and was married in the temple and, and all that good stuff. And the interesting thing about this gentleman is that he is very open to discussing my faith and his beliefs, and, and we have some very good, friendly discussions. And he came down to the, and I know this is off the subject, I apologize, but he came down to the bottom line. He said, he said well, you know, if everything that you believe is based in, in Jesus Christ, everyone in our church is, is saved, like you say, because we believe in Jesus Christ. And I told him, I said, yes, my friend, but it's not the same Jesus. You know, my Jesus is God. He was God in the flesh, and he rose from the dead, and he is still God. He was God, always been God, and it continues to be the the second person of the Godhead, God the Son. And I will never be a God And no one I know will ever be a God because Jesus Christ and God the Father and God the Holy Spirit are the only true deity that exists.
1: Mac, what's a good definition of outcome based religion?
2: I think it is proper here to uh, to get some definitions because we we talk about outcome based religion and the new paradigm church, so just so folks understand what we're talking about here, I think that we need to define these terms. Outcome-based religion is a term that, that I coined based on what was once known in the public sphere as outcome-based education. The so outcome-based education was basically a system of pedagogy where the class would set Outcomes and they were usually social outcomes, not educational outcomes, not proficiency in math and proficiency in science, but things like personality, personality traits, or good citizenship, or such as that. And they would set that outcome and they would set up the teaching system and program to reach that outcome. Well, based on that, the outcome based religion. It's basically the same principle. And the outcome for these churches is church growth. And the issue is, is that when you set your outcome as church growth, many, many times the attitude is, we can do anything as long as we grow to church. If that means you had a denominational name like Baptist in your church, and that hindered church growth, You dropped the Baptist name out, and I know a lot of churches that have done that, that are still Baptist churches. As a matter of fact, Saddleback Church of Dr. Rick Warren is a member of the Southern Baptist Convention, but they would never, ever put Baptist in the name of that church because it hindered church growth. You basically geared your ministry, whether it's if you want a certain type of music, you want a certain type of market or a demographic that you want to reach, you gear everything to that church outcome. And if it means you don't teach doctrine, you don't teach other things in the Bible specifically, you don't do that, and you concentrate on more social skills and parenting and finances and that type of thing, and that's what they've done. Yeah. They've gone to that type of program to grow the church And though many folks in those ministries may be saved, and many may be really good Christian folks, I don't want to negate that, but the program is not the way the Bible has set up the local church. So that's where the name Outcome-Based Religion came from. Now, the other word in that title, the New Paradigm Church, back in the early 1990s, when I started reading The Purpose-Driven Church by Rick Warren... I was really quite offended when he started talking about this new paradigm because, Larry, as you may recall, I was a real heavy researcher into the New Age movement in the late 80s and, and early 90s. I'm very familiar with the writings of Marilyn Ferguson and Alice Bailey and those folks that were in those occult sciences. And the word paradigm was one that was almost, what do you say, captured by Marilyn Ferguson, the New Age Bible that she wrote. And I was really somewhat offended that Dr. Warren would actually lean so heavily on that term. Now, since that time, in the last 30 years, paradigm has become a more publicly used word, and and you hear it all over the place. But back in the early 90s, when Dr. Warren started using it in in the purpose-driven church, it wasn't a well-known or well-defined word. And basically, new paradigm is a change of your way of thinking. Dr. Warren's basis was a new way of thinking about church, a new way of doing church that would lead to massive church growth. And so that's where the terms come into play.
1: As we continue thinking about this, Mac, what is the true church? I mean, how can we, you know, if we're going to criticize something, we have to know what the ideal is, what is presented in the Word of God. So what is a true church that pleases the Lord, that God actually created, the ecclesia of God, the called-out assembly? How should it function? What should it be based on? What should be its real goal?
2: let's talk about the foundation of it Larry the foundation and we're speaking of local church here the foundation of every local church should be every individual that is a member of that assembly professes to be a born-again Christian who has their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and so if you have a so-called church with one person that says, oh, I'm not really saved, I'm not really a Christian, but I just love coming here because of what it gives my kids. Or the other things that I learn here are for the, for the value it brings to my business to come to a church like this. No, if you have one individual that does not profess faith in Jesus Christ, you've accepted into membership, you are no longer that assembly is no longer a true church, because a church, a true church, is an assembly of believers. And see, the problem that we run into with the methodology used by the church growth movement is their mantra is, hey, we want to be a church for the unchurched. What is someone that's unchurched? I mean, does that mean saved and unsaved, or those synonymous terms? But what does it mean if, if you're unchurched? And I know... The church that I spoke about earlier that I was a member of, the way that church started is our pastor went out and got on, he was a youth pastor, he got on the phone and started making phone calls, and the question was not, are you born again, or are you interested in in starting a good Bible-believing church in this area, but the question was, do you go to church anywhere? Oh, well, you don't? Well, we've got a church for you. That's the basis of forming a lot of these megachurches and how they started, is they wanted to be a church for the unchurched. Now, to, to be fair, that is a great evangelism tool to find someone that doesn't go to church anywhere, because then you go to see that person, and you take the gospel to them and give them the word of God to see if the Holy Spirit will work in their hearts and lead them to Christ. But when you make it your foundation, As we're a church from the unchurched, if you don't go to church anywhere, come go to our church, and you're going to have a good time. That is not a biblical scenario.
1: Right, right. Well, friends, we're we're visiting with uh, Mac Dominic. He is the author of Outcome-Based Religion. We're just about out of time for this show, but our next show, we're going to bring him back. Mac, thank you so much. We're looking forward to uh, speaking with you and continuing this conversation.
2: Thank you, Larry.
0: Much more from Mac Dominic on tomorrow's Watchmen on the Wall program. Outcome Based Religion, the new book from Mac Dominic, embarks into a thorough investigation based on a historical as well as a scriptural analysis that penetrates surface facades and reveals growing deceptive apostasy. Outcome Based Religion Purpose, Apostasy, and the New Paradigm Church by Mac Dominic needs to be part of every Christian's library. Order your copy today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order online, swrc.com. Be sure to ask about free shipping when you call 1-800-652-1144. Staff evangelist Josh Davis comes now to share what the Bible says are the needed nutrients to bear spiritual fruit.
3: It's understandable, many Christians desire to do a great work for God, and they long to see God use them in a powerful way to reach this. Sinful world with the same glorious gospel that has transformed their hearts and their lives, and they long to produce a lot of fruit for God. These are admirable desires, I've got nothing against them, and in fact, let me go a step further. Let me say I've shared those same desires in my life and for my ministry. But there came a point when I became frustrated with God if I'm honest with you today. Things weren't lining up quickly enough for my liking, and then a dry season with a lack of visible quote-unquote fruit from my ministry left me doubting my abilities, and I was more frustrated with myself than I was with God. I've heard some preachers over the years give the unwise advice that if you cannot see visible fruit from your ministry, then you were never really called by God into the ministry in the first place. I've even read similar advice for pastors in publications. If your church or ministry isn't growing by X percent each year, it's time for you to move on to another ministry. You know, I hope if COVID taught the church anything, it would be how utterly unwise these kinds of statements can be. And I wonder Could the fear of failure and the pressure to produce a spiritual harvest be part of the reason that some young men choose not to enter the ministry and perhaps cause some men to leave it prematurely? All this pressure on them to perform and to produce a spiritual harvest. I don't know what your ministry is, but I hazard to guess that Most of the Christians who are listening to me right now are actively involved in the life of your local church. You're serving the Lord in some kind of ministry. And is the real measure of your worth in that ministry, how many and how big? Or as some have cleverly said, I like this statement by counting nickels and noses. Certainly, we want to reach as many people as possible with the good news of Jesus Christ. We want to be wise stewards of the resources God has blessed us with. We want the whole world to know our wonderful Jesus and His life-changing message of hope and freedom from sin. That's not what I'm saying. Please don't misunderstand me. What mainly concerns me is that we can have a large following of people, beautiful facilities, a massive budget, and still not be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, a small struggling church could just be as unfaithful to the Lord as the large church is. But the paradoxical truth is that both the large church and the small church can just as well be found exceedingly faithful to the Lord. In other words, the measure of our ministries is not primarily nickels and noses. It must be primarily rooted in a deep devotion to God, and to His truth, first and foremost. That has to be the bedrock. That has to be the foundation. This is a biblical truth, and I think that Psalm chapter one, verses one to three, is a great example of this. Psalm one, one to three, tells us, "Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners." nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in its season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Notice what precedes the prospering In verse 3, oh, we all want to get to the prospering, don't we? But it is making the choice to not walk in sinful ways, instead, to walk closely with the Lord that comes before the prospering. That close walk with the Lord is revealed in how this person enjoys and lives out the Word of God. Friends, let me say it like this sin is a ministry killer. We cannot allow sin to take root in our lives in any way, shape, or form. Using the analogy of the tree in Psalm 1, sin will spread like a disease. When a tree is diseased, it often rots from the inside out. And that's precisely how sin destroys us. We must constantly be on our guard against the temptations of sin. Psalm 1 moves from the negative, avoiding sin, to the positive, which it describes as delighting in God's Word. To be Christ-centered is to hate sin and to love the Savior. Let me ask you this. Do you have a hunger to know God more through His Word? Just because somebody reads their Bible through in a year doesn't guarantee they will be godlier on December 31st than they were on January 1st. If we have read with a view to merely complete the challenge... We've missed the whole point. And this is a dangerous temptation that we must avoid at all costs. God has given us His beautiful Word so that we can know Him intimately through it. Think of what a tree needs to thrive. Good soil, sunlight, water. These are just a few of the crucial ingredients a tree needs to continue to grow, to be healthy, to be vibrant, to be strong. God's Word gives us the spiritual nutrients that we need to be vibrant, to be healthy, to be strong, to thrive in Him. Can you imagine a tree that desires to grow beautiful fruit, yet it does not want to be near the water, near the sunlight, or to be rooted in healthy soil? It doesn't take much imagination to figure out what's soon going to happen to that kind of a tree, does it? But what if the tree is like the one in Psalm chapter 1, the one that's rooted in the good soil. It's near the water. It's receiving the sunlight. The amazing truth from God's Word is that as we focus on our relationship with Him, we are growing stronger and healthier. And it happens from the inside out. Please don't miss that. As we are firmly rooted in Him, we are also growing. And guess what begins to happen as you grow? fruit begins to naturally develop. That's what we're talking about. You see, the tree is not focused on producing fruit. The tree is focused on drawing its strength from the source of health and vibrancy. But fruit becomes a natural byproduct of health. So, too, when we focus on the Lord through a vibrant relationship with Him, fruit will begin to grow in our lives, then through our lives. Don't focus on the fruit. Focus on the fountain of life, Jesus Christ. Trust Him to produce the quantity and the quality of fruit through your life that He desires in His perfect way according to His perfect timing. Outcome-Based Religion The new book from Mac
0: Dominic embarks into a thorough investigation based on a historical as well as a scriptural analysis that penetrates surface facades and reveals growing deceptive apostasy. Order your copy of Outcome-Based Religion today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or you can order online swrc.com. Tomorrow, Mac Dominic will share more details on the new Paradigm Church. Be sure to tune in on your favorite radio station by downloading our SWRC mobile app or by subscribing to our daily Watchman on the Wall podcast. Watchman on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners just like you. Please visit our website, swrc.com.